Warning, the 619 Crimes podcast contains topics like violence, drug use, and suicide. Please consider this while listening today. Thank you. Betty Broderick. 22-year-old John Ernest. 34-year-old Sean Nelson. Kara Knott. 16-year-old Brenda Spencer. 29-year-old Ali Nasser Abulabad. This is 619 Crimes Podcast, where every Wednesday we bring you short crime stories that took place in San Diego. I am your host, Al Rodriguez. What's up, everyone? I wanted to thank everyone who participated in the t-shirt giveaway. Those rates and reviews really helped out the podcast. This week's winner is Carly underscore Sima on Instagram. Thank you so much, Carly. Everyone else who participated on the t-shirt giveaway, it is really appreciated. Thank you. Today's episode is actually a case that I'm surprised we haven't seen a Netflix series made for this yet. The first time I heard of this serial killer was from an old man I used to work with. I used to work for a painting company, and we were driving by the Buena Vista Garden Apartments, so he told me a bit of the story. That was almost six years ago. I remember thinking, what the hell, man? A serial killer in my city? But anyways, now let's get to it. Cleophas Prince Jr. was born on July 24, 1967, in Birmingham, Alabama. He was born into a struggling home. He lived in a drugs, weapons, and gang-infested neighborhood. He lived in the Gate City Projects. When Prince was still in diapers, His dad shot and killed the man. Prince Sr. was found guilty of manslaughter. But despite being locked up, Prince Sr. was still very involved in his son's life. So Prince Jr. would visit his dad once a week growing up. With his dad in prison and his mom always working, Prince Jr. was out on the streets as a kid. He witnessed crazy shit. He witnessed crazy violence and drug use and prostitution from a very young age. Now remember, this was also Alabama in the late 60s and early 70s. So racism was at an all-time high back then. So racism was an everyday thing for Prince Jr. growing up. With everything that Prince had to deal with, he felt like the only way out of the hood was for him to join the Navy at age 17. So as soon as he enlisted, the Navy posted Prince to San Diego about six months later. It was in 1984. For the next five years, he actually had a successful career in the Navy. But in 1989, Prince actually started to break into homes with some friends of his and he was actually arrested for this. Because of this, obviously, the Navy discharged Prince. 
Remember, Prince joined the Navy at age 17, so he had never been an adult as a civilian. So he really struggled to adjust. But he actually landed a decent job at a cable company. So two months later, Prince moved to the Claremont neighborhood. I myself actually used to visit Claremont a lot in the 90s. My grandpa's brother lived there. But anyways, Prince moved into the Buena Vista Gardens apartments. Two years later, in 1990, a 20-year-old woman named Tiffany Page Schultz was sunbathing on her apartment balcony. She lived at Canyon Ridge Apartments, across the street from Buena Vista Gardens. Prince saw Tiffany, and he actually jumped into her balcony. Tiffany fought back with all her strength, but Prince pushed Tiffany into her apartment. Tiffany kept fighting him, but Prince was built like a bodybuilder. So Prince overpowered her, and he stabbed her about 50 times. He actually posed Tiffany on her back on the floor. The stab wounds were done like a circle shape over her heart. On the scene, the police had no clues, no evidence. With no leads, the police actually arrested her boyfriend. But they couldn't link him to the murder, so... He was released three days later. That same year, on February 16th, 21-year-old Janine Marie Weinhold, who lived on the Buena Vista apartments, was doing laundry in her apartment's community laundry room. Prince saw her and followed her to her second floor apartment. As she walked into her front door, Prince snuck up behind her and he sexually assaulted her. He then stabbed her and after killing Janine, he posed her body on her back and on the floor of her apartment. Janine was actually supposed to pick up her roommate. After not showing up, her roommate was worried and she called 911. When the cops got into Janine's apartment, they couldn't believe that they were finding another woman stabbed just four weeks after Tiffany's murder. And only about two blocks away from the last murder. This time around, though, they got lucky at the crime scene. They actually found blood that didn't belong to Janine. They also found semen. As the cops were processing the scene, her answering machine kept going off. It was her parents begging her, begging her to call them back. The basket of clothes that Janine was washing was actually still damp and it was found just feet away from her front door. The cops immediately knew they had a serial killer in the area. Janine had the same circular stab wounds over her heart, and she was also posted on the floor. Six weeks later, 18-year-old Holly Suzanne Tarr was visiting her older brother, who lived in the Buena Vista apartments. Holly was alone in her brother's apartment when Prince broke in, assaulted her, and killed her. Prince was actually seen leaving the scene by a maintenance worker of the apartment complex. He gave police a description of Prince, but without a name, the police couldn't do much. Holly was found in the same pose as the other two women and the same stab wounds. The San Diego Police Department wanted to catch the serial killer, so they reached out to Special Agent Larry Ancrum 
of the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit. Basically, the real-life criminal minds. Larry gave them a profile. Larry told the cops the killer was someone who was familiar with the area and also a professional thief because he would never leave signs of break-in. But they did also label him a disorganized opportunist. The next day, the police got their first lead. People at the Buena Vista apartments had seen Holly earlier in the day, swimming in the community pool. The pool had a sign-in sheet. The cops got the list, and in it they saw Holly's name, and right under her name they saw C. Prince. After a short search, they had his full name and address. The cops spoke with Prince, but he claimed he had worked the whole day. The cops told him if he wanted to prove his innocence, they could simply just take a blood sample, and he would never hear from them again. But Prince refused to, and he accused the cops of trying to frame him. The cops didn't have any real evidence, so they let him go. Prince went around and told everyone who would listen that the cops were trying to frame him. Shortly after, Prince disappeared from Claremont. Prince had actually moved a few miles north to the East San Diego apartments. One of his new neighbors was a 30-year-old woman named Elisa Naomi Keller. She became his fourth victim. Elisa was found by her 17-year-old daughter. When the police arrived, they were hoping it wouldn't be the work of the serial killer that the media was now calling the Claremont Killer. However, she was found with the same pose and the same stab wounds as the three other victims. It was May 21, 1990. There was no other murder for the next four months. The people of Claremont were hoping the terror was over. But on September 13, 1990, Prince killed two women in the University City. The victims were 42-year-old Pamela Clark and her 18-year-old daughter, Amber. Pamela was found a few feet away from the front door. She was naked and her hair was wet. There was clear signs that she had been dragged from the front door to where she was found and posed. Pamela was actually posed like the other women. But in this case, the murder weapon was left right next to her head. Amber was found at the end of the hallway. She was found posed the same way. Both of them had the same circular stab wounds. The cops found no evidence inside. There was no signs of break-in again. However, this time they found a footprint in the backyard by a window. So the cops believe the killer has stalked them through the window and he waited till he knew Pamela was in the shower to go in the house. A few weeks later, in Scripps Ranch, a woman named Gerilyn was showering when she heard some noises. She jumped out the shower to investigate. She noticed the sound was coming from the other side of her front door. She looked through the peephole and she saw a man aggressively trying to get in her apartment. She quickly ran in her room, threw on some clothes, and she ran to her back patio and climbed over her fence. Her neighbor was enjoying the beautiful weather outside on his patio. Gerilyn told them what she saw, and the neighbor and her walked to the front of her home and confronted Prince. He was still actively trying to break in. Prince just put his head down and walked past him onto the parking lot. He jumped in his car and drove off. 
His car had a loud aftermarket exhaust. Geraldine called 911 and reported the incident. However, Prince was driving off just as Geraldine was speaking to the detectives. The next morning, despite what had happened to her, she still went into work. As she was walking into her office building, she heard her loud exhaust. She immediately recognized it as the car from last night. Prince was actually dropping off his longtime girlfriend. Geraldine immediately called the cops. As Prince was driving off, Geraldine took down the plates. So the San Diego Police Department told all of their patrolmen to be on the lookout. The next day, they found Prince in his car on the parking lot of the 24-hour fitness on Miramar Road. Prince was taken into custody. When the cops searched his car, they found knives, gloves, and rope. Since they still didn't have 100% proof he was the killer, they arrested him for the attempted burglary. Prince posted bail the next day. He actually went on the run. He went back home to Alabama. While there, the cops searched his girlfriend's home. In her house, they found a ring that belonged to Holly Tarr. Prince's girlfriend explained to cops that he had gifted her the ring. The cops also searched Prince's home. In his room, they found Pamela Clark's ring. When Prince was arrested, the cops took blood samples and fingerprints. So they tested him with the blood and semen they had found, and it was a match. On March 3rd, 1991, Prince actually got arrested in Alabama for petty theft. He was extradited to San Diego right away. During his interrogation, Prince showed no remorse, no emotions. His trial was set for March 1992. Prince was found guilty to six charges of first-degree murder and 21 other felonies on July 15, 1993. He was sentenced to death on November 5th, 1993. As the judge read his sentence, he turned to the family of the victims and he proclaimed his innocence. He told them he was feeling as bad as them for their loss. Prince was sent to San Quentin prison. He filed an appeal around 2006. It was denied in 2007. Prince is still on death row in San Quentin to this day. He is currently 56 years old. That was today's episode. If you would like to show your support for this show, consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would truly, really help us. It would go a long way for a small show like this. Again, my name is Al Rodriguez, and this has been the 619 Crimes Podcast. See you guys next Wednesday. Peace.